But what we see here is that the character of this God is first off, I mean, it's a little terrifying because he can call fire down from heaven. And he's vast and he's way above us. Solomon even says, the, the heavens can contain you. What is this house? There's almost a fear that comes with bowing down before God because he is so beyond me. He is nothing like me. He is so much greater and better than me. And yet, they praise his steadfast love that has been proven to them time and time and time and time again. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. I grew up in church. I don't know about you guys, but I, I like I grew up in church pretty much. Not kind of the not not the every day, every Saturday, like all day sort of thing, but I was at church a lot. And uh, I remember one week when I was about ten, uh, there was a evangelistic series going on at the church. Um, if you don't know what one of those are, it's a series of meetings, pretty much like a week or longer in essence. And it was in a building that was detached from the church. And of course, being 10 years old and having a 10-year-old friend uh, that was, they were really good friends, we thought those were the most boring thing on the planet. And, <laughs> um, and so we'd leave. We'd leave, we'd leave the, the, the building. We'd go over to the church building and we'd play. We'd play like hide and seek and tag and things like that. And it was awesome because the church was empty and there's all sorts of places to hide and everything. And I remember one day we were playing. I don't remember exactly what we we're doing, but the door opened down the hall somewhere and we saw the scary church lady coming in. Some of you, some of you know who I'm talking about, even though you were nowhere near my church, <laughs> because if you grew up in church, you probably had one. Uh, the scary church lady, the lady who was not kind, uh, wanted to control everything, wanted to make sure the kids never had any fun. And that lady walked in the door and we ran, obviously. I mean, what are we going to do? And so we ran, and we, we went to the sanctuary, and we hid in there. It was dark, you know, tons of places to hide. And I kid you not, it was like a movie where we were standing, or we were uh, uh, lying underneath the pews, and you, they come in, and you can, like, see their feet, you know, underneath the pew as they're walking around looking for us and talking to each other. And they never did find us, which, uh, thank, thank the Lord. Uh, but... <laughs> I don't know if it was something they were saying then or if it was just previous and post-experience after that, but I knew that one of the biggest reasons that they didn't want us playing in the church, especially in the sanctuary of all places, was because they had this view that the church was holy, right? This was like holy spaces. And there was almost this view that like God lived in the sanctuary, right? The main auditorium, God lived there. It was something like that, even if they wouldn't say it. And that idea, which I disagree with, goes all the way back into, it has, it has roots in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the, uh, there was a thing that did happen where God, he dwelt in a temple. The Israelites built a temple and he lived there, like at least not only there, obviously, but he lived there. His presence was there. 
if you go back all the way to the, the, the first permanent temple where King Solomon, he's spent all these years building it, and they've been aching for a place for God to, to for a permanent place for God to be, um, you go all the way back to the dedication of it. It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and 7, and all of this time they've been building, it's, it's probably one of the most grand things in that, in that nation at that time. It's built out of stone. The in, inside was like overlaid with gold everywhere. I mean, if we had walked in with our modern eyes, we would have been shocked at the craftsmanship of it. I mean, it would have been amazing. But the thing is, is that while they're building it and everything, and even after it's, after it's finished, it's like you could have just walked in and you could have walked out. No matter who you were, it would not have been a problem to walk in there until the day that they dedicated the temple. And on that day, you're going to have to imagine that King Solomon is there. There's all of these people, priests, royalty, regular people, all sorts of people in the courtyard as they are uh, dedicating the temple. And they bring the Ark of the Covenant in. The Ark of the Covenant was this, uh, this box that represented the presence of God. It wasn't just a box, but it, this is the best way I could simply describe it. And they brought it in. And when they brought it in, it says a cloud filled the temple. And it was so intense that people were just like, get me out of here. And so they, they get out after this cloud has filled the temple. And this is where 2 Chronicles chapter 6 starts. And it says, then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in thick darkness, but I have built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell forever. He spends some time talking a little more than he kneels. And it says, then he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and he spread out his hands towards heaven and he said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. And then he continues and he says this, and this is a legitimate question, and I think it's a question that some of us ask. He says, but will God indeed dwell with man here on the earth? Would he actually do it? And what's funny is he's asking this, and they have previous experience of God doing this. They had this tabernacle. It was like a, it was like a, a, a temporary structure that they had, and God did it there. But, but Solomon is asking this. He says, would God actually dwell with man here on earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heavens couldn't contain you. How much less this little house that I've built? Yet, have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord, my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you. And he continues praying and he continues asking these things of God until finally comes the moment. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 40, it says, Now, O my God, let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayer of this place. And then he says, And now arise, O Lord God, and go to your resting place you and the ark of your might. I just imagine this. He is asking God, and the, the mental picture here is that he's asking God almost to stand up from this place where they have been praising him, stand up and to walk into the place that they have built for him. It's an invitation. Would you inhabit this place? He says, let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation. Let your saints rejoice in your goodness, O Lord God. Do not turn away from the face of your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love. And then in chapter 7, verse 1, this is where it starts. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled up the temple. 
And the priests couldn't even go into the place. They couldn't enter in to the house of the Lord. It was the place that, I mean, just before, you literally could have just like, oh yeah, no big deal. It's really pretty. It's really cool. But you can't walk in there anymore because the glory of the Lord was there. Look at the response. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Just imagine the scene as they are, they're all standing there. Solomon finishes this prayer and all of a sudden this crack comes out of heaven and burns up. This fire comes down and burns up these offerings that were like by them. People were probably nearby them. That would have been slightly disconcerting. And then the glory of God fills this, this place. I don't know how they felt it or how they noticed it, but it was very obvious apparently that the glory of the Lord was there. And the only response they had is to be on their faces on the pavement. And it says, and they worshiped. And the Hebrew word for worship literally means to bow down. When we say worship, what we're actually meaning, whether we, what, what we're actually saying, whether we know what we're saying or not, or whether we mean what we're saying or not, is that when we worship God, we are bowing down before Him, which is a very uncomfortable thing for us because what it, what the idea is that you're bowing down before a king. And we got rid of those back in the 17 and 1800s. I get to vote now. You don't get to tell me what to do. I get to tell you who I want. This is different. There's this king, and I got I to gotta go before him and bow down before him and say, you have power, and you have authority over me. And if this was just a regular kingdom, if the character of the king is, is evil and broken, I mean, you got no choice. But what we see here is that the character of this God is, first off, I mean, it's a little terrifying because he can call fire down from heaven. And he's vast and he's way above us. Solomon even says, the, the heavens can contain you. What is this house? There's almost a fear that comes with bowing down before God because he is so beyond me. He is nothing like me. He is so much greater and better than me. And yet, they praise his steadfast love that has been proven to them time and time and time and time again. And unfortunately, what happens in the story after this is they they walk away from God, not in that moment, but over the course of years. They walk away from God and they get taken into exile by, by nations around them. And when they are brought back, it's still not the same. And the question remains in their head. And you've probably had this before because you have been in spaces where it feels like you, have, you, you haven't been near God for a long time or you've done stuff that makes you feel so much shame and so much guilt. And the question becomes, would God actually desert me? I mean, is he not here? And maybe you haven't said the words, but you felt the feelings. Is God actually still here? And one day, 2,000 years ago, God answered Solomon's question again. Would God actually dwell here on earth with humans? Yeah. Except this time it wasn't a glorious house. It wasn't an exalted house. It was a little normal house for that time. It's a normal family. He was a human. He came and lived with us. He answered the question again, but then what's sad is that we as humans saw this God and said, you are offensive. 
to the things that we want. And so we took him and we nailed him to a cross. And we killed him and then we took him and we put him in a grave. And we said, you're done. It's over. Whether we wanted you or not, it's done. It's over. But it wasn't over. Because after three days, he gets up out of the grave by the power of God. No, we couldn't do anything to him. He gets up out of the grave. I have power and I have authority. That's what he's saying to every single person who sees that. And yet what he says to his disciples after that, he says, hey, I'm going to be leaving, but I will send my spirit to be with you. And so he ascends, he leaves, he goes back to heaven. And there's a group of people in a room. Some of you know where this is going. There's a group of people in a room and they're just like, we have no idea what's next. These are the most uncertain times. We have zero idea where to go from here, but we know that God knows. And so we're just here, ready, available, open to him. And all of a sudden there's this rushing wind. And in that rushing wind, all of a sudden these tongues of flame form above their heads the same imagery of a God who thousands of years ago, he showed up to this guy Solomon and said, hey, I would dwell here. And he comes in fire and he shows up in their temple and he says, I'll live in your house. But then a few hundred years after that, he comes and says, yeah, I'll live among you as one of you. And then a few years after he starts that, we kill him and he comes back and says, hey, guess what? Can I live in you? Can I, can I come and live in you? And so the same God that thousands of years ago was the God who dwelt in Solomon's temple, the same God who dwelt in human form as Jesus, the same God that dwelt in the disciples and the apostles following the resurrection, that same God is here in this moment looking at you and me and saying, hey, can I make your heart my home? Can I, can I live there? And it's not a desperate thing. He's not showing up like, please let me. He's just like, hey, you want to do this? Because we can. I would love to, actually. I would love to live in you. The same disciples that after this went out and they were world changers. Hey, can I, can I live in you? I'd love to. And what's interesting is the only response that I have to a God who would be that faithful and that consistent is worship. Is to bow down before him and say, you are way too good for me. The God that can't even fit in the heavens, why would you fit here? Why would you walk with me through my daily life, which half the time is on a phone? Why would you do that? And I can tell you this, it's not because we got it together. It's not because I have some sort of special thing that is so much better than everybody else that God's like, okay, you. It's not because of me, it's because of him. The Israelites ask, but God got up and is like, yeah, actually, yeah, looks pretty good. I love to live there. We didn't even ask and he shows up like, yeah. I like a manger, nice little family. I like to 
live the life you live. That's the God that we're dealing with here. And he is, hey, I want to live with you. So our response is worship. It's to bow down before him a posture, whether it's physical or in our hearts, a posture of worship. Lord, you are my king. I'm slightly terrified of you. Actually, I'm very terrified of you. And yet you are love. And yet you sit here with me in all of it. Okay. So our, my encouragement to you as we sing this next song, which is a song that is just worship. It's about bowing down at the feet of God and saying, you are you and I am not you. And I am grateful that you are you. That's what this song is about. I would encourage you. I know it's weird. It may be uncomfortable, but I don't think it is when we do it in moments like these. If you'd like to, just kneel in, at your seat and praise God in that way that your physical posture matches the posture of your heart, I'd encourage you to. If you want to stand, because you know the posture of your heart is, hey, I am, I am bowing down to you, Lord, but I'd rather do this, do that. But let's come together worshiping God, the God who dwelt in a temple 3,000 years ago, dwelt here among us 2,000 years ago, and is still here today. Can we do that together? Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.